0: This is the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. The Association of Washington Cities is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that represents all 281 cities and towns before the state legislature, the state executive branch, and with regulatory agencies. I'm happy to be here today with Carl Schrader, one of the government relations advocates for AWC and he's going to give us an update on uh, housing bills and what's happening in the legislature related to affordable housing. So thanks for being here today, Carl.
1: Yeah, thanks Brian, no problem.
0: So um, can you give us a general context of where we're at in the legislative session and what's going on?
1: Right, okay, so I think we're uh, if I got good information today, we're 65 days through 105 days session so uh, past the halfway point uh, on the downslope uh, we have just passed the House of Origin Cutoff, which is one of the big uh, deadlines in the legislature where bills, except for those that are necessary to implement the budget or are really, really. Um important to various important legislators, uh, have to be out of the first chamber that they were introduced in by that deadline, which was last Wednesday, or else they're dead for the year. So we've seen a big uh, culling of the various bills that uh, had been introduced, that folks had worked on. Uh, You know, they only have so much time to pass all of these. So there are a number of different deadlines throughout the legislative session that help to kind of narrow the focus. So right now we're in a time where the opposite chamber are hearing, um, so like the Senate is hearing House bills, the House is hearing Senate bills. They're all bills that have had a certain amount of work done on them in their initial chamber, so we're kind of coming into the home stretch. Uh, We've got another week and a half or so of that, and then we'll, um, you know, go through fiscal cutoff and then back onto the floor and uh, conclude the session. The other big thing that's happening is we expect to see a budget uh, early next week rolled out from the House, Uh, so they go first this year. The Senate and the House alternate, and the release of the budget is really kind of the signal that the session is getting serious, and that's when... um, you know, they kind of lay out their spending priorities and, and, you know, for AWC, we're going to see a lot of uh, important signals in that budget, whether or not there's going to be funding for infrastructure, whether these housing investments are going to be made at the scale that we're, we hope they will be. Um, so that's a big deal as well.
0: Gotcha. So with the budgets coming out and with um, some bills dying, it sounds like we're getting day by day greater clarity on where this, this session is headed. Is that a good way to yeah, yeah, understand I it? Yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. Now, particularly when it comes to housing, um, I saw in a recent legislative bulletin article that that you provided, um, there were dozens of bills related to housing. And some of those had already died. And, and so maybe we don't have to worry about those as much. But there were still a long list of, of uh, bills that, that are still out there that still survive. Um, and uh, as an outsider, it's my guess that those bills don't come out of thin air, but rather that there are Uh, narratives and ideas about housing that are kind of antecedents to those particular bills. Um, So unless I'm just way off on that, I wonder if you could give us an overview of what are the kind of competing narratives when it comes to affordable housing and homelessness in in Washington State?
1: Right. Yeah, I think, uh, well, for one thing, I've been kind of telling people this year that I've worked on housing policy in the state for probably 12 years now, and this is by far the most Um, number of bills and policy ideas around housing than I've ever seen. It has been usually about how much uh, money can we put into providing subsidized housing for people with low incomes. And this year, we're seeing a lot more on the policy front uh, than ever before. So that's uh, both interesting, um, you know, kind of rewarding for me because I'm interested in this stuff. uh, But also, uh, you mentioned the themes. Uh, One of the big ones this year that we've uh, struggled with, frankly, as cities is that a big, uh, in this viewpoint, uh, uh, a large portion of the uh, effect on why housing prices have gotten so out of control in many parts of the state is that city land use and regulatory decisions are sort of adding costs willy-nilly, that we haven't thought through sort of the impact of some of the decisions the cities are making on housing affordability, uh, which of course we uh, talked about a couple weeks ago. Don't think that that's uh, the case. Uh, We know that uh, local elected officials are doing a Uh, by and large, are really diligent about balancing these interests and thinking about the costs of what they're asking the development community to do. Um, Putting in things like sidewalks and um, investments in infrastructure as part of the development has a lot of social benefit as well as, um, you know, it does add to the cost in some cases. Same with impact fees. You know, when, uh, when the state and federal government have largely walked away from providing basic infrastructure and the state has moved to a position of growth will pay for growth, That has consequences on the cost of uh, new development um, that are not, you know, things that cities have just decided to do. Uh, So that's a major theme and one that we've um, been fairly successful, I'd say, so far in um, making our case to the legislature. So some of the biggest sort of preemption, top-down Olympia, kind of telling local communities how to make certain decisions around housing, those have all largely... um, been sanded down to more of a voluntary approach, which is what we've been asking for, which has helped cities make these tough decisions when we uh, find that we want to enact a good housing policy or we want to upzone or we want to allow certain accessory dwelling units. Instead of mandating that every city all 281 approach this problem the same way let's say if you take some of these positive steps we're going to clear the deck so you don't get bogged down in legal appeals for years after making those decisions so that's where a lot of those issues are i think there are also um, some big themes about the need to provide local resources for uh, subsidized housing in particular Uh, Most people would agree that the market is just not able to provide at a profitable level for the development community Housing that's affordable to people that have extremely low incomes or who are homeless So the state or local governments or someone else nonprofits religious groups has to step into that void so there's been um, Progress on bills that would provide options for local governments to uh, have a chunk of the state sales tax to um, make those investments in a locally determined way which we think is really cool something we've been supporting for a couple of years now a little less progress on uh, some of the other local option tools so the the one i just described is uh, access to a portion of the state's money it's effectively no tax increase from the consumer protect perspective there have been proposals to allow local um, new options for real estate taxes or to make um, some certain increased sales tax uh, councilmanic instead of requiring a vote of the people. Both of those bills have not moved forward at this point. Uh, there's also just a whole suite of um, sort of different policy tweak type bills like, you know, you can't preclude a tiny home in an RV park if it has wheels, that kind of thing. Um, so really kind of minor niche type issues. So a number of those are moving forward. Um, and then we'll see when the budgets come out, whether the state, um, you know, finds this to be a priority and makes a large investment in things like the housing trust fund or that sales tax revenue sharing proposal that, that I just described.
0: Okay. Okay. I see. So it sounds like um, the you're saying that there's at least one narrative out there that legislators have seen. Uh, there's a supply side problem, perhaps, with housing. There's just simply not enough supply. And they've identified, hey, maybe it's these local leaders that are the problem by making uh, it overly onerous to build new construction. And so that's what's restraining, uh, restraining supply. Uh, but it sounds like you have uh, you and uh, our, our members here at AWC have been successful in telling the message that, you no, know, this this government that is closest to the people um, has been able to balance those needs really well. And so that's uh, been, it sounds like a largely successful um, educational campaign on our part.
1: So far, you know, obviously the session's not over and I think folks are just trying to Um, bring back some of those um, preemptive elements of those bills, but we are able to show cities like Everett that have had unlimited zoning in their downtown since the 1950s, in areas that are served by bus rapid transit, that they're rolling out the red carpet for development, right? and people are not able to make a profit in buying and tearing down existing buildings, consolidating parcels, and then building uh, large dense development. In a city where the rents don't support that and that's not the city's fault that's the market right and so we've really not you know our message hasn't been you know cities are doing everything right and please leave us alone it's there are a lot of factors here certainly cities can do better we'd like some help to do better Um, but the idea that there are some you know one or two simplistic factors that if the state were to just step in and kind of make a decision that housing development would spring around the state and it would be considerably more affordable we just don't think that's the case and i think Uh, as this conversation has evolved, more and more legislators are recognizing that this is a complicated issue.
0: Yeah. And I I sympathize with them because I think um, to the extent that I would have conversations about affordable housing, it's easy to flatten that issue out and to have uh, one particular scenario in my mind, and to suspect that that one scenario is applicable to, right. to all of the affordable housing issues. But you, in our previous podcast where we discussed this, you talked about, um, you know, there are affordable housing issues throughout the state, uh, so they're not concentrated uh, just around uh, Seattle or, or around the Puget Sound area. Um, nevertheless, the the things that are causing that crisis are, are multifaceted and are going to be very geographic uh, dependent, you know, going to change depending on their geographic location.
1: Yeah, I hope this isn't a, a repeat, but one thing that really struck me on that uh, that I thought was funny we had the cities of Walla Walla and White Salmon come down and present to the Senate uh, Housing Committee uh, towards the start of the session. And those two cities had made almost diametrically opposite decisions around regulations around lot size. And lot size is one of these things that people think, well, if you just uh, mandate that all cities allow smaller lots and the smaller lots can have smaller homes and they'll be more affordable and it's really a great thing. Um, And so Walla Walla had had that experience. They just changed their lot sizes to bring them down because they felt like the market would support those smaller homes and that people were being kind of obligated to build too large of a home in their community. Conversely, White Salmon had just shrunk their lot sizes, or I'm sorry, increased their lot sizes because they were finding it was uh, too profitable for people to buy up these very large units and build vacation homes rather than uh, a more moderate uh, sized home that, or a Yeah, sorry, that um, vacation homes instead of a single family home that somebody who would actually live in the community would want to do. So they basically took the same policy problem, uh, trying to promote affordability in their community, and with this one kind of niche policy issue, took opposite directions on it to achieve the same outcome, which is kind of the point where, you know, Olympia in the process that we have in the legislature just cannot consider all of those factors. And it really isn't appropriate for them to get down into that level of detail Uh, But again, to your point, you know, people gravitate towards things that seem like they're good solutions that, you know, maybe fit where they uh, represent or where their uh, viewpoint on the problem is. And as an association represents 281 cities and we recognize that everybody's got a different situation, it's partly our job to kind of explain how these things are complicated.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting, too. Uh, Opposite solutions to to the same problem. But they just fit their their particular situations. Um, So we talked generally about uh, this long list of of bills. Are there a couple that our listeners should uh, should be paying attention to and perhaps taking action on, either that we support or that we'd uh, like to see defeated?
1: Yeah, I guess I would probably highlight four things for cities who want to really get um, make positive progress on housing. Two good ones. Uh, We are supporting uh, as much investment as we the state can muster in the housing trust fund, which is the state's preeminent. Uh, program to help invest in subsidized housing for the very low income. Uh, we're asking for a $200 million level in that, which would uh, meet the, the highest appropriation that program has ever gotten.
0: And is there a particular bill associated with that? Aspect? No, that's a budget Okay, item.
1: But if they were to ask their legislators to to try to get to $200 million in the housing trust fund, uh, legislators will know what that means. Uh, the second one is House Bill 1406, which I mentioned is the sales tax revenue sharing proposal, uh, which would allow any city uh, to take up to one hundredth uh, of a percentage of the state's sales tax uh, and then that would come to the city for up to 20 years you could bond against it to build facilities you could keep it as uh, an incoming uh, revenue stream and and there are some uh, direction on what type of housing to invest in but it's it's a pretty flexible program uh, so that's really a, a positive one House Bill 1406 and then the uh, the other two big ones that we've been working on uh, there's an accessory dwelling unit bill Uh, Senate Bill 5812, which again is in pretty good condition. It's taken a lot of the uh, really um, micromanaging preemption issues out of it, Um, but the advocates are trying to put that back in. So we would ask uh, that if you're interested in that issue, you ask your legislators not to, um, not to amend that bill and to keep it in a, a more voluntary place. And what it does is, uh, it grandfathers in anybody who's got an ADU ordinance. So if you've already taken the hard decision at the local level to figure out how to bring these, um, mother-in-law apartments to your community and do it in a way that people support that, that work would be honored. And then similarly with House Bill 1923, uh, that bill started out as a requirement for local governments to take, um options off of a menu of policy choices around housing and affordable house, uh, housing affordability promotion um, and that would have uh, in, in one point in the session not been paid for and would it be a you know a significant amount of work and controversy at the local level uh what it sta- as it stands today what that bill would allow you to do is take any of those preferred policy options but by doing so you wouldn't have to go through the whole sepa process and and you wouldn't be subject to appeal And so in that sense, that's actually a really positive bill for us because it would allow you to take some productive actions around housing and know that you're not going to get bogged down in appeals for years afterwards, which we've seen in cities like Olympia and Seattle in recent years. Um, So the message again there is keep that bill as an encouragement, as a uh, incentive for cities to do better on housing and don't put the mandates back in. So similar kind of message on both of those bills.
0: Great. Okay, and uh, so we, we talked about the point that we're at in the session. So, is there anything that our listeners can can actively do, or are they kind of is it kind of too late, and they just need to wait and see what happens?
1: No, definitely not too late. Actually, this is the time the budgets are going to get rolled out uh, on the budgetary matters, and uh, the the caucus that, uh, as a whole um, will see what their budget team and leadership have put together. And there's going to be a, a re-racking of that budget as they kind of understand how it. Um, how it's supported by the general uh, membership. So I think now is a good time to be reminding your legislators of your budget priorities. Uh, Also, obviously, we'll see a difference between the House and the Senate, and so there will be some changing in that. And uh, all the bills that we've talked about today are still alive, um, letting uh, the second chamber know, uh, reinforcing if you've worked with, say, your House members on the bill before it left the House, and you haven't talked to your Senate, now is the time to, to do that. Um so yeah absolutely still uh, kind of crunch time and a good time to be talking to your legislators and honestly that's the main thing to do um you know if if all you can do is send an email send an email If you can call them on their cell phone and talk to them for five minutes, do that. If you can manage to come down to Olympia and and spend some time in person with them, even better. But the main thing is to let them know uh, what you need, what you want, what you think about these priority issues that are affecting your city uh, so that they can take that into account when they're making their decisions.
0: Well, that's that's, uh, very helpful and and actionable advice, Carl. Thank you for that, and thank you for being here today to discuss this important issue and give us a, a good update on it.
1: Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you.